Welcome to our Through the Bible study here on Bible In-Depth Network with Alex. In our study, we look at the context of Scripture and how it applies to our daily lives. We also believe that there's no limitation to the revelation of the Word God. Let's study together today. Yes, praise be to God. I hope you're safe. I hope the Lord has kept you safe and sound. This is a day that the Lord has met. We shall rejoice and we shall be glad in it. Thank you for joining us for our time of the study of the Word of God. And uh, we believe that uh, the Lord shall speak to us even as we study His Word, even as we learn. And the revelation of God will not end. He will reveal His Word to you and to me. And uh, today, we want to continue with our study of the book of Matthew. We've done five chapters. We are on chapter six right now. And uh, yesterday, we closed off at uh, verse six of Matthew chapter uh, six. And verse six was telling us about where to pray and when to pray and how to pray. And that's where we closed off when Jesus is saying, get into your inner room, close the door, and pray to your father who's in secret. That was a key message that we closed off with yesterday. And uh, it was very important to know how to pray and what system of prayer. And the fact that God also will be there in that room, yeah, in that room where you've closed yourself in. God will be there. We need to kill all mentalities that there are specific locations where to find God. Yes, they are there. That a place, there's a place where you go and God is there. But you also need to know that in your house, God is there. God can be there. You can talk to him and he will listen and he will answer. And this is actually one of the few parts where you will find Jesus talking about where to pray from. It, it is a, the few occasions where you're going to find Jesus telling you where to assemble and pray. There was the synagogues, there were the temples, but him, in his uh, discussion here, he comes out to directly tell us of the mode of prayer and the places to pray from. And here we left off telling us, get into your room and pray. God shall hear your prayer. And I want you to know that and have faith and confidence in that, that God shall hear your prayer. And uh, today we want to continue with the verse 7 and says, it still goes on in the issue of prayer. Remember, he was talking about the acts of righteousness and saying, do not let do them for purposes to be seen by others. And those acts of righteousness that he specifically brings out in this chapter, one is giving, which we talked about yesterday. Then the other is prayer, and the other is fasting, which we shall see later on. So he continues in prayer, on the issue of prayer, and says, And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do. For they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. So do not be like them, for your Father in heaven knows what you need before you ask him. That is now quite a statement that Jesus makes. And it beats lots of uh, theological positions that we have right now in our Christian fraternity and in our belief system. Yeah, 
believing that if I use many words, then God has heard. If I repeat a lot, then God has heard. And now for him, he's saying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do. He's even referring it to uh, the Gentiles, yeah, that they are the ones who use such uh, meaningless repetition. Uh, they're the ones who say things again and again. And uh, from history, the Jewish scholars were debating the use of uh, fixed prayers. Yeah, In that period, even in the period that Jesus exists, they would debate about prayers and uh, having a fixed prayer and having a particular pattern of prayer yeah, written down that you follow this pattern. You start with this action, you start... Then you get into these words and then you say these words in this fashion. You can even say them when you're probably bowing down and you rise up and you do what? They always debated that, these scholars. And they, in general, they held them to be acceptable if somebody's intent was genuine. They say, if it's genuine and you're doing genuinely, doesn't matter if we have fixed prayers that happen. That's what, that was from their Jewish tradition or Jewish days, if I may use that. And uh, now, when it came to the Greeks, because in this period that Jesus is living is mostly a time, of course, the Romans are in charge at this point, but before the Romans were the Greeks who really had a big influence in this region. And uh, for Greek prayers, they sometimes piled up as many titles of the deity that they were praying to, and uh, they addressed that deity in all these many titles as much as possible as they could. And they did this in hope that they would secure the attention of the deity they're talking to, yeah, or they're praying to. So if they had a God, they would have a list of names, yeah, and they start by calling him this name, and they call him the other name, and they call him the other. And they give a long list, yeah, of the names of that person, hoping that they will attract his attention, yeah, that he will start to listen to them. The Greeks here represent Gentiles. Yeah? And that's a, a habit that was known for Gentiles. Let's pick an entire list of names. Because when we call and call and call on these names, then we are going to get the attention of this God. Then pagan prayers, as far as they are concerned, uh, typically reminded uh, the deity or this person that they were praying to, to this God that, that they were praying to, they, they reminded that God of favors that they've done, of sacrifices that they've offered, yeah? And this reminding, constant reminding, was attempting to get a response from the God, that particular God, on contractual grounds, that, you know, I have done all this for you, dear God, whichever God that these pagan nations would worship, I have offered this sacrifice to you, dear God. I have done this good thing. I've helped this person. I've done all this. Then they remind, uh, the, 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 they remind the deity. They remind the, that God, that small God, I will use that so that we don't get confused, of that which they have done so that they have response from them so that they get results from them. So that it's like they have a contract that I have done this, and in that case, give me my pay. Just like you get contracts at work. They will state for you what to do, and eventually they will pay you as per the issues that are in the contract that you've met. So 
when they would pray, these pagan nations, these Gentiles, they would put that all into context and they say, because of that, because of this, because of how we've seen, uh, how you, we, we've been generous, how we've uh, offered you this, then give back to us. It's like we've got a contract. Now, this will hit us hard, but it's Jesus speaking. Do I have, now these are questions I'll pose, just for us to think about. Do I have to remind God of everything I've done? Hmm? Do I have to remind him so that he will bless me? Do I have to remind him in my prayers daily that, you know, I helped so and so, I did this, this. So as far as that is concerned, we have a contract, then bless me. And all these are things that when we read are picked from these Gentiles, how they do, how they list names, how they try to draw attention. When you try to draw attention to God that he will bless you, that he will prosper you, that he will do all this because of what you have done. If God was to bless us for because of what we have done, we would have nothing. Because much of what we do being men is evil. Much of what we do being men is hurting others. Much of what we do is be, uh, being men is doing things that do not honor God. If God was to reward us for what we've done, we would have nothing. So if I put out my demands like a contractual basis of God and you see I've done this so bless me. If God was to bring up that which we have not done, would we have a blessing? I do not think so. But God just just Jesus just puts it clear here. He says, do not use meaningless repetition like Gentiles do because even for the Gentiles, they would have that repetition of words and you repeat your, the words you say. You repeat the words you say. First Kings chapter 18 verse 26 we can cross-reference from there. And it says, And they took the bullock which was given them, and they dressed it, and called on the name of Baal from morning even until noon, saying, O Baal, hear us. So, what, what these people did at this point, let's first finish this, but there was no voice, nor any that answered, and they leaped upon the altar which was made. And it came to pass at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, Cry aloud, for he is a God. Either he is talking, or he is pursuing, or he is in a journey, or he is in an adventure. He sleeps and must be awakened. What these guys were doing, what these false prophets were doing, in this encounter that they had with Elijah, yeah, they were calling on Baal from morning to evening. Oh, Baal, hear us. Oh, Baal, hear us. Oh, Baal, hear us. The whole day they are shouting, meaningless repetition. Oh, Baal, hear us. As if, which Elijah comes out to say here, as if your God is not there. Is he sleeping? Is he on a journey? Has he not had? Because we know exactly what happened when it came to uh, Elijah. yeah, And when he had his turn had come, yeah? Because with all the repetition that these guys made, with all the repetition that they did, they got no response. When it came to the turn of Elijah, this is interesting. This is what he did. He said, hear me, O Lord, hear me, that these people may know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their heart back again. 
What happened after saying that? Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and it licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. When the prophets of Baal cried the whole day in repetition, their God didn't hear. Because anyway, he does not exist, so he could not hear. But for the God who exists, when Elijah speaks and prays, the words Elijah says here, we can count how many seconds they are going to take for him to say. Yeah, Hear me, O Lord, that these people may know that you are the Lord God, and you have turned their heart back again. I don't think those are more than 10 seconds. And he did not repeat any word. There was no repetition of any sort. And immediately, God came out and responded to the cry of Elijah. So, what Jesus here is saying is quite plain. Saying you don't have to do so much in your speech. You know, we've uh, sometimes gotten into all these theoretical understandings of how to pray, how you have to use this number of words, how much time you have to spend. When Jesus goes out to pray on the mountain, and we are told he spends the whole night, does he spend the whole night talking? All in moments of prayer, there are some elements that are within your time of prayer. There are some elements that are key within your time of prayer. Sometimes you speak. Sometimes you'll be silent and listen. Sometimes you'll have communion. Sometimes you'll have reflection. Sometimes you uh, get uh, times of uh, fellowship and you, you worship God and you sing to him and you thank him. Sometimes you, you, you get reflective times and moments about your life. All that is in the moment of prayer. You let the Holy Spirit speak to you. And that's key. Those are moments that are key. You need to try that out. You need to try that out and you go to a silent and quiet place and you have a chat with the Holy Spirit because he's in you. He's with you. And he will tell you and you have a discussion. All those are moments with God. So, right now, he's telling these people, using many words is not an issue. Elijah didn't use many. He got results. Those who used many and, uh, and used meaningless repetition got no result because what they worship does not exist and does not purpose. For us, the God we worship, he hears us. He's not asleep. He's not on a journey. When you speak, he will answer. When you speak, he will hear. And this is it. You pray. And to, to be gotten in context, this is not an implication that we should not pray. No. This is also not a, an implication that you should not take time in prayer. No. This is not an implication that... You, you need to alter your mode of prayer, but it is understanding the context in which Jesus is talking here. Meaningless repetition of words. Using many words that are just coming out of your head. Yeah, we need to learn to pray in spirit. We need to learn to get into that center where there is fellowship and communion with God. And that best comes, by the way, when you are closed in your room, just like Jesus has said in the previous chapter, in the previous verse, that you go close your door, and there you will find discussion with God. There you will find communion with him. There you will find fellowship with him. There you will speak to him. And there are people who say, uh, 
I don't know how to pray. Uh, I take when 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 we are in a prayer session, I mean people are going on and on and on and on. That's a gift they have amazing. But I also want you to know that you can pray and God will hear. You can talk to him. As long as that which you are saying is coming from the depth of your heart, God shall hear it. There is no promise anywhere. There is no statement anywhere where Jesus says it's those who have the many words that he will receive response. No. It's not that. Those with many words will get their reward. They will get their response from God. He will answer their prayer. But even you, with those few words you say, as long as they are genuine and they come from the heart, God will answer your prayer. Because we need to try and wash yeah, wash our, our brains and minds of the things and the modes that have formed within us of how things are supposed to be done, of how uh, what is the method it's supposed to be done, yeah, and try and understand what Jesus is telling us here. Personally, for the greatest miracles that have happened in my life, or the greatest uh, things or events that have happened in my life, amazingly, amazing, huge testimonies that have happened in my life, I did not pray a, a prayer or say something to God that exceeded, that exceeded uh, even five seconds. It could be a statement that I make and I say, God, help me. And God would look and know what Alex is saying is from the depth of his heart. It is genuine. He is in trouble. He needs this and I will help him. This is the the last part of verse 8. It says, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. God would look at Alex's heart and say, I know what Alex needs. And he's overwhelmed. And Alex comes out and says, God, help me. And when that help me comes out, it is so deep, so genuine, so true. Few words that have been spoken, but God comes out to answer. Because he says, that is it. I know what you need. And you've given me the request in that it might be a few words you've said, but I've picked your request, I've picked your heart, and there is genuine prayer that comes from the heart. And I know many people will witness to me in that, that most people, even when you're going through the worst of times, in the hardest of moments, God, the Father, you find sometimes it's hard to pray and you don't know what to say and you don't know how to call on him. And I know many will witness to what I'm saying. In your deepest need, sometimes you just don't know how to pray. Sometimes you even give up and you just say one statement and say, God, I do not have any clue how I'm going to get out of this mess, but please help me. And God, having looked at your heart and how genuine it was, though you didn't use many words, though you did not repeat, do repetitions that are meaningless, he says, I have seen your heart and I'm going to reward you. I'm going to take you out of this mess and I'm going to save you and I'm going to set you free. That's what Jesus is talking about here. And uh, having a, a, a crew of fishermen that he had picked, people from all sorts of businesses and all sorts of work, he tells them, pray then in this way. He says, now, I think I don't want to leave these guys confused. Let me give them the nature in which they should pray. Yeah, 
he 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 wants to give them an order uh in which they should be able uh, to pray he goes out and starts to tell them he says pray then in this way our father who is in heaven this is recognition and acknowledgement of who you pray to and that is the father who is in heaven that is that is very important to note Nobody on earth has your blessing that you should pray to them for your blessing. Yes, there are blessings we will get from people here on earth, uh, probably your parent and and all that, but blessings come from God. Yeah, so he is telling them when you are praying, you're not praying to your father who is in the village. You're not praying to your father who is somewhere out there. You are praying to your father who is in heaven. Hallowed be your name, yeah? That your name is righteous, your name is holy, yeah? That is the mode of prayer. Your kingdom come. This he had spoken of even when he's starting ministry that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is here, yeah? And that is the prayer mode he's giving them, yeah? Of course, uh, it is first recognition when we, we, we're picking the context of prayer here. It is first recognition of the Father, that is the God that you serve in your prayer, recognizing him yeah, and his authority and how holy he is and the fact that his kingdom lives and his kingdom exists because that is where you subscribe to. That's how Jesus starts in this prayer and how he's showing them uh, on how to pray. And he says, your will be done. What you will, tell him that his will be done. Sometimes we want our will to be done. But Jesus is saying, there is your will. But in your prayer, tell him that his will be done. Sometimes the will of God as concerning what you're praying for or what you desire for is a no. Response to my prayer shall not always be yes. Sometimes God can say no and he has answered your prayer. And he has answered your prayer by saying no. So, he says, tell him that his will be done. That is hard, by the way. Sometimes uh, when, when you're praying for something and then the Spirit tells you, okay, as we conclude prayers, tell God that may your will be done or may this be done according to your will. In the depth of your heart, you're wondering, will, will God will that it happens? Will it be a yes or no? But Jesus out there saying, let your will be done. Say that in prayer. On earth as it is in heaven. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In heaven, the will of God is done. On earth as well, the will of God is done. If God wills that it happens here, nobody can stop it. Because this is his creation. He created this earth that we live in. And he says, give us this day our daily bread. He's telling them to ask God for the daily bread. Of course, when he's talking, the people he's talking to right now, know the history of Israel. They know that while they were coming from the wilderness and uh, through the time that they walked through the wilderness, on a daily God provided bread for them. It would fall and rain down from heaven. Every morning they would go and pick and eat. And it was for that day. To be specific, if you were to keep that bread on that day, it would rot. Yeah, It would smell eventually. Yeah? Because it is for that day. And Jesus in his prayer says, you tell God, give us this day our daily bread. It's daily bread. 
that's why we need to learn not to worry about tomorrow. Because God provides for you on a daily. It's daily prayer. It's, it's daily provision. Yeah? It's daily bread. God will provide for you on a daily. And he says, you pray to him to give you that daily bread. Let God provide for you on a daily. We need to learn, and that will help us a lot, that we also learn not to stock up a lot. Sometimes we, we, we pile things because we are afraid of what will come tomorrow. Yet in how Jesus is telling us to pray, saying, ask God for the daily provisions. Ask God for the daily provision. Do not worry about tomorrow because tomorrow has its own issues. Ask God for today, for life today, because you might pray for everything that you want tomorrow, but will you be alive tomorrow? But today, the day you are alive, ask God for that which is required of the day. Daily provision. So he says, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. Some versions will uh, describe that or uh, get an understanding of debts as sin. Forgive us our sins as we forgive. We have also, as we also have forgiven our debtors, those who have sinned against us. <laughs> and uh, this is interesting. Forgive us our sins as we have also forgiven. Like you ask for forgiveness from God after you have also forgiven the one that has wronged you. Jesus puts that context there. Since if you're asking for forgiveness from God and you should ask for forgiveness from God, make sure you've also forgiven the person who hurt you. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. He says, do not lead us into temptation. Remember in Matthew chapter 4 verse 1, Jesus, the, the Bible tells us that the Spirit led Jesus to the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Jesus himself is telling you here that pray that God does not do that for you. Because for me, I experienced it. He's saying, I went through that experience where I was led by the Spirit into the wilderness for purposes of being tempted. And he's saying, you pray that he does not lead you into that direction, but he should deliver you from the evil one. That he should help you out. Yeah, that you do not fall into uh, the quarters of the evil one. Deliver us. Lead us not into temptation. Because what Jesus went through was not a joke, friends. Those, uh, we, when we read about the temptation that he, he, he went through and he overcame, it wasn't a joke. And that is the worst that can happen to you when you are led into temptation because I do not know how we can even make it. Jesus, God's own son, got through a very difficult time with the enemy in that time. And he says, Jesus tells us, pray that you're not led into temptation. Yeah, but you're delivered from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. That's what Jesus tells them to pray. He says that is the way you should pray, period. There has not been any repetition there. There are not many words that have been said there. Of course, there are other words you speak to God. But the context here is for me to know in my mind that it's not the many words I'm going to say. I may end up, by the way, praying for an entire hour or two or three. It can happen. But I'm not in the meaningless repetition and the trying to force words to come. No, I am praying for my spirit. And that can happen because Jesus also would go and pray for hours. And as 
he concludes in verse 14, for if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. This is important, my friends. If you forgive others for their transgressions, then God also forgives you. If you do not forgive others for that which they've done, then God will not forgive you. It's clear, verse 15, but if you do not forgive others, then your father will not forgive you. If someone has wronged you, and this is tough, but but these are the words of Jesus and I love them like I told you earlier. Jesus is telling us clearly that our forgiveness is going to come from the fact that we've forgiven others. God is going to forgive you after you have forgiven others. I don't know what they did to you. I don't know what that person did to you. I don't know how much that person wronged you. But you've got to forgive them. That's a fact. Because we shall keep on praying to God, asking for forgiveness, and he's not forgiving us. He's saying, you have not forgiven so and so because of what they did. Forgive it's hard, but do it. If you're seeking for God to forgive you of your sin, then you've got to forgive those who have sinned against you. And uh, now when, when it gets down to Jesus came, Jesus died for our sins, and we are forgiven. And because he died for our sins, all sin has been taken away from us. And we are forgiven and we are set free. That is a fact. That is a fact. That is a fact. But it's the same Jesus who comes out and says, yes, I have, I'm going to die for you. I've come for you, for your purpose. But, God, the order of forgiveness, the model of forgiveness, the follow-up or the considerations of your forgiveness are leaned onto whether you can forgive those who have wronged you. Jesus makes it plain. And with, it, with all theology that walks and is spoken and is given out and it's being brought out by teachers, ETC, of it is finished, Jesus did it, you're forgiven. So even if you carry on grudges with others, Jesus, uh, with Jesus having come and you accepted him, then you've received your forgiveness. There's a lie. There's a lie in there. Because as far as Jesus is concerned, he's saying, if God is going to forgive you, you're going to forgive your neighbor. Even if you, I die on the cross and I'm dying and I've come to die for your sin, if you do not forgive your neighbor, then that shall not apply to you. Tough as it may sound, Jesus says it in his word that if you do not forgive those who have wronged you, God shall not forgive you. He has died for us on the cross. Our sins have been forgiven, but there's work for us to do. And that is plain. Who has wronged you? I pray in the name of Jesus that you may receive freedom, that you may receive the ability to set free or to let free for whatever person that is out there today that needs 
a new beginning that has been carrying a grudge that has been uh, going through a tough time to let go lord i pray that you touch that person and help them forgive because there's lots that we miss out when we do not forgive may this be the beginning to forgive and set free be set free in the mighty name of jesus we pray Thank you for joining us for our study today. We believe that the Word of God is alive and new each day. Open your heart and let God speak to you. You can also access our teachings through our Podbean channel or reach us through our website, bibleindepth.com.